Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, welcome to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Merely Bo and the great Gibbe here with you on a Friday edition. How you living, buddy? Uh, hello. Hey. Hey, hey. I just did what's a ah, I thought I – Demarcation. I didn't realize right I had a punched up party. Right at the gates. Right at the gates Not for you. Not good. Not uh, good Cold this morning. A little brisk. A little brisk on the walk with Buddy Garrity this morning. I feel like the last time it was this cold was Christmas Eve. Yeah, I think you're in the right neck of the woods with that. I mean, it, not anywhere close to what Christmas Eve was. That was a whole other animal. But, no, it, this, this was, uh, it was around 9 this morning on the, uh, on the walk. He was not necessarily enthused about the walk. Um, I was less enthused about the walk. Especially uh, when that in. first gust of wind hits you. Well, that's it, right? I mean, that's the that's the operation there is that that first gust of wind that gets you, and that's that's what sets you back a bit. Um, I had I will acknowledge that I had. And I, I'll share this with you right off the top that you are aware, Gibby, that there is some sort of a balloon floating above Montana. Is China invading Montana? So I mean, there are some military so. assets. There in, are in Montana. I don't um, I don't believe so, but that didn't stop me from having fun with my dad last night. <laughs> with uh maps of chinese satellite balloons so one of the images laurenitis sent me uh, he goes look at this and it was it showed like the balloon the jets like circling around it like the military jets and the map of where it was was is about 30 miles from where i grew up so it's right in the backyard so to speak which then of course i fired that image right to my dad i said i don't know you might want to saddle up get a couple of guns and some scabbards and a, and a 45 on your hip and see what you can sort out there, buddy. Um, and then he, his response like immediately was, where did you get this? Was this from the Twitter? And I'm like, yeah, it's from the Twitter. <laughs> That's where it was. So he was in, you know, he, he was very curious, which then led to, to your point, the military assets, you know, that part of the country, especially specifically that North central Montana was a, a, a huge housing spot of nuclear uh, missile silos uh, was out there. There was one five minutes from where I grew up. And I, I was asking my dad, and he said most of them have been have been vacated in the last 20 years, but there are still some out there. Um, so I thought, well, there you go. That's it. And then it got me thinking about Red Dawn, which is basically I spent most of my life in preparation for a Russian attack and what would happen if we had to go into the hills and hide a little bit, and I feel like I'm properly prepared. Well, I'm glad you are. Yeah, I, I don't know about the rest of the country, but I feel like <laughs> Bo Bishop go. is ready to go. <laughs> That's right. We, we get plenty of, plenty of supplies I saw the story and I just shook my head. And they don't want to shoot it down, right? Because it could cause damage. I'm like, how big is this balloon? Well, and then the the Chinese are saying that it's a weather balloon to monitor weather. Um, how, okay, how, that that went off. It's a track. long way off track, I would yeah. think, if you're monitoring the weather around China. 
Yeah, normally One you way. just send the weather balloon up and it's right here. Right. It's yeah. right in the immediate area. Yeah. And it's usually not a big enough balloon to get you anywhere of substance other than right where you are. I then thought of like the uh, uh, like the little blimp that they use at like Cavs games to drop the t-shirts like with the little I like it. Little propeller. Or the lottery like, tickets. Is that those guys? <laughs> like was that the, is that the motor that it took to get over like it's take a minute. I mean it's those just are, chugging along. They're quick like in a in a facility in a stadium mm-hmm. in an arena but like when you think about traversing the Pacific Ocean might take a while. Like, I mean, when did the balloon get loose? A year and a half ago? There's a lot of questions that need some answers. Yeah. I, I'm sure that China's not going to give you anything that you actually no. or, or of substance. No. Uh, I don't know. Frankly, I would just shoot it down. But yeah. they're worried about it harming people. And I'm like, well, is there something in the balloon? Is there, <laughs> is there something attached to the balloon that's going to cause harm? It's a balloon. Allegedly. Like, if you shoot the balloon... Okay, there might be like some gear right. on it or something, but it's it's in Montana. Well, and it's in the, it's also in like the le- it's this isn't like the Yellowstone Dutton Ranch part of Montana where it's which is becoming pretty hop- populated. I mean, this is the middle of nowhere, Montana. This is now the Great is the Plains. Time. Now's the time, if ever. Now's it. Apparently, a guy in Billings, Montana, first spotted it and took a picture of it, and that's how it first became aware. So. Uh, we we will see on that. Um, <laughs> I love your dad's response. Yeah, he was all in. What was this on the Twitter? Yeah, it was on the Twitter, Dad. I can't even read it. What does it say? All right. I mean, it was just amazing. It was so I was. It entertained me for like thirty minutes as I was watching uh, Ohio State basketball, the Cavs, Oof. and then the Pro Bowl. So let's do the Pro Bowl thing first. I believe I had this. This was my kids loved this, so they liked it. They liked all of it, and I think because my wife it, was even watching it. I think it because it resembled their birthday parties when they were like five. With the water balloon toss and the dodgeball, sure. throwing a ball at targets like it, like their four or five year old birthday parties is what we saw NFL players do last night. Yeah, I, I, but it looked like they had fun doing it. I thought it sucked. <laughs> really? I didn't think it was. I, I didn't think it, it was sucked. that bad. I thought that the idea. I thought that. The, I mean, my God, Gibby, they do like a long drive, and four of the guys had never played golf. Well, that that was... thing was awful. That was dreadful. Um, how do you do from a presentation standpoint for for ESPN? A bad job out of them. How do you not have the Mannings mic'd for the whole time? Like they should be doing the commentary. Instead, I'm listening to, I was it like Ryan Clark and Lauren Rutledge and RG Spears and RG three. Like yeah. you had to have like anytime there's like a rock and jock situation or uh, the Nickelodeon situation, or uh, there was a show that, like, Rob Briggle did years ago with, like, Tessator. Yeah. Like, that type of show. You have to have a comedian on the show, or someone who at least is funny. They had to have a Manning on the on the well, show. I or, mean, Or be able to go to the Manning when, like, hey, what do you think of Joe Batonio's catching footballs off right. a, a jugs machine with one hand? Right. I mean, when it, it was, hit four, I'm like, Pretty impressive here. It was. Going on. It was. He's a professional athlete. Like I, I assume that he should he'd be able to catch punts. I, I think like the kids loved it. The, um, I thought the presentation really lacked. I think like it wasn't a fun watch. Like if I didn't do this, I would have watched for a minute and a half and then I'm out. Like it was, there was not a lot of competitive spirit. It, it to was it. truly in the background. 
It was totally a background at best. The I thought the dodgeball thing was weird. Like I was shocked that the first thing that they did was go AFC offense versus AFC defense. We talked about this yesterday. I said, "Is it going to be offense versus off defense?" Like in the like, why is why wasn't it AFC NFC crossover? And then and so I bailed on it because I I, I'd had it on for about an hour and then I had enough. That's where I bailed. They had in the end, it ended up being NFC versus NFC player. I thought this whole thing was a point accumulation leading to Sunday. Well, they never saw an event through to the end. That was the one thing. I'm like, they would no. cut in, they would do like the the best catch. Well, uh, that was dreadful. Like, wasn't that Leinard who showed up? Yeah, Matt Leinard, who's re- employed by Fox. Yes, like ESPN's got a thousand ex quarterbacks on their roster. They couldn't have had one of them throw balls at to certain at Fremont Street. Yeah, <laughs> on the zip line. No idea. What the hell's Liner doing Diggs there? Is, Diggs is laying in a pool on a raft catching balls. Like that's the greatest that's catch. That's the gimmick. That goes back to what you're talking about. Put him up on the on the space yeah. needle. I just thought that like they have jugs machine. They could line it up to where like you have to jump from this spot and dive into this to get it, so that it's a, the same throw consistently over and over and over again. The the notion that they were gonna that they did it at all these sites. I I don't know. I think it fell really flat. I really do. I think. And honestly, from from my attention last night, um, the 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 Buckeye game, which was brutal, uh, very very brutal. There with your boy getting ejected right before halftime. I think he was trying to send him. Yeah, he was trying to send him. I think he's trying to fire up his guys. He missed. He missed on the transfer kids. He missed on all of them. So they don't really have leadership. They don't have anybody. They don't have pros. They don't have all Big Ten guys. Was this game in Wisconsin? No, no. down south. Because I was going to say that's the kind of call you get in Wisconsin. Yeah, West. Any time I've ever been with a team that's played someone in Wisconsin basketball wise, yeah. you get homered to death. Yeah, it is awful officiating. You are playing two opponents when you go in anywhere in Wisconsin. You are playing the team and you are taking on the officials. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was in Columbus. They were bad. Um, I thought that the Cavs and the Grizzlies was the most intriguing thing of the Woo. night. Um, were you watching it live? I was in the second As that half. happened? Yeah. Were you stunned, as stunned as I was, that it took Reggie Miller like two and a half minutes to like acknowledge what happened? He kept saying like that Mitchell was the aggressor? Like you could see in the first replay when actually no, he hit him in the junk with a fist as hard as he could. He lined it up. Yeah. It was plainly obvious right away. And Reggie in the beginning was like, well, Mitchell's the aggressor. He's throwing the ball. I'm like, well, dude, how do you miss this part of it? And then eventually yeah. Harlan, with one of the greatest calls of all time, gives a boink on the on the contact. And at that point, it clicked with Reggie like, oh, that's why it happened. But um, slow to react. Very, very, yeah. very slow to react. Um, look, I thought that from their perspective, like that happening and then Garland playing the way he did after – and, and beating a Memphis team that's struggling. They've lost seven of eight since Ja was talking a couple of weeks ago about how they're not fearing anybody in the West. Um, Oops. I, I, I th- yeah, I thought that was that was a fun game for them last night. It was a fun game. It it showed, you know, everybody loves this team. They're fun. They're, they, you want them to win. They're fun-loving. They're fun-wheeling. Don't get them angry. Well, I think that, that you needed that, right? I think you needed kind of the fight. They've been kind of a 500 team. I'm pretty sure they're 500. They haven't won back-to-back games all of January. So they, they've they been kind of even Steven for a month. And perhaps this does give a little fire 
And you get a little they'll, – they'll try to get back-to-back wins. I think they're at Indy on Sunday. Yeah, and, I, and I'll say this. We're in the middle of, like, what feels like an eight-month season. Oh, it's, yeah, it's long. For them. So, okay, so they're going through a little January swoon. It was a little rough. I know Bickerstaff had some interesting comments earlier this week about positivity and – well, he was saying that there was, like, negativity, and I think to myself, like, nobody here locally. Like, I don't know what he was reading where Correct. anyone was, like. Like, what? Yeah, I haven't heard anything negative locally about them. They, yeah. You know, they, they're they a young team that's finding their way with a superstar. Uh, I think it was cool that Garland had that night after he was snubbed in the All-Star game, so that that was nice. Yeah, but, by the way, I, I, I will tell you that I think that uh, Donovan Mitchell was totally in his right. And if, I, yeah. and, and if I were the NBA, if you suspend him for anything, like shame on you. Oh, I don't, I don't think he'll be suspended at all. I mean, I think Brooks has a history of it. He's the one that picked the fight with LeBron a couple of weeks ago when they were in Los Angeles. He's the one Shannon Sharp went to. Yeah, thirty-two and twenty-two, Cavaliers record. Yeah. Okay, well, that's pretty darn good, even yeah. with a January swoon. Like it's okay. Yeah. Like thirty-two and twenty-two. You still have like 30 games left. So many games. <laughs> so many games for them. Which, um, which, again, why you can't budget out time-wise to give teams an extra day or two off so the players actually have to play every night. So yeah. people that travel from far distances to see them actually can watch like their kids can see players, Oof. which is a whole nother conversation. Yeah, they've. it's been – you know, we've been done dirty. Uh, the Bucks did a sturdy um, – Luca did a sturdy, and the Warriors did a sturdy with all of those. And there doesn't seem to be any pushback from anybody covering the league. There doesn't seem to be any pushback um, from the league. It feels like it just is what it is, and you deal with it. But I would just say buyer beware if you're if you're trying to buy tickets to see somebody other than your guys in your town. If you're trying to bank on somebody else, it's not something that you can count on. Um, let, I did think it was interesting that Donovan Mitchell went to the podium. He didn't have to because he was bounced. He went to the podium to to uh, to explain himself a little bit. He, he was actually waiting. Yeah. When the media was walking into the room, he was waiting he was outside. Ready. He he was ready to go on this guy. Yeah. Here's uh, Donovan Mitchell on Brooks. I wasn't expecting that, and then that's just how I reacted. But. Like I said, if you just can't guard somebody, then just say that and just get a switch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what it is. Um, but it is what it is. Dylan Brooks and Donovan uh, Mitchell sound like they, uh, they've well, had a little pass. Donovan obviously. had the great line. It wasn't in that bite, but there was the great line where he said, I've been busting his ass for years. Like, it was like, well, okay, that's – yeah, there you go. That's, that's the part of it. So, no, it's fun. Um, I'll tell you, from a competitive – juxtapose up against that NFL Pro Bowl thing, it was a no-brainer where my attention was going to go. I I think that it hits with little kids because it looks like a little kid birthday party, um, but it's going to land really flat from a rating standpoint was my prediction. But what If, if they get 1.2 million people watching it, is that a win for them? The, is that a win for honestly, the Honestly, Thursday night doesn't mean anything. The win for them will come on Sunday. If they can be close, because the players don't want to play in a game, so – if they can get close, they were seven million last year playing a game. If they can get close to that, playing seven on seven with flags, then you're on to something. But you also, you know, like I was sitting there with the boys, and they're like, Derek Carr, Tyler Huntley. That's they're like, that's the where's Allen? Where's Burrow? Like, why Allen's is playing in the? He's like, he's like Pebble Dad, Beach Pro Am. He had a hand wedge yesterday, and that you see him throw the ball to the 18th green. Yeah, because he couldn't hit it out of where he hit it. Um, 
But yeah, they're like, Dad, why are these guys in it? And I'm like, because nobody wants to do it. And apparently that started with Troy Aikman, who bailed out of the Pro Bowl game in the third quarter, uh, you know, like 20-some years ago, because he said, well, we're not under no obligation to play this. And so that's kind of where that came from. But So they need to be in the vicinity of they got seven five million. If they got five million. That'd probably be a win for them. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to get that though. No. Did you see this? Um, this one last thing here before we get out of here. Did you see this? And and uh, hit us with your mailbag questions at Browns underscore Daily hashtag Ask CBD. This was a Reddit post this morning. Did you see this post from this guy? I saw you retweet <laughs> something, but I, I I never got a chance to read it. I'll paraphrase because it's just amazing. So, guy goes on Reddit says his wife and him have been together for five years. Um, and the issue is um, that he says no fights, nothing like that. But he says that there was this particular issue is causing him to reevaluate his relationship. So his wife gets a new job. She's a, a software salesperson or something like that. She's in the software business. And they go to a barbecue. And she introduces him by his occupation, which is uh, he's the manager of a fast food chain. And he's very off-put by this because apparently he's insecure about it for God knows why. So he's insecure about it. And what he prefers to her to be introducing him by and what he then says after the introduction is, I would like you to introduce – I'm actually a pilot, okay, is how he'd like to be introduced. So as you continue to read his gripe, he's actually not a pilot at all. In fact, what he is is a guy who does simulator stuff at home and built a simulator in his house and simulates being a pilot. In fact, acknowledges that he's never actually flown. That he's actually just he spent five hours five hundred hours on a simulator, to which point like I was thinking of like the boys are like you know like Z when he, he plays like the two K or the Madden like could he say to Miss K I really would like you to introduce me as football coach since I've done five hundred hours of Madden that that's how I would yeah. prefer to be introduced it was the I don't know if it's real or not I hope to God it is because this type of delusion makes me happy but what a remarkable like a marine biologist right. like, <laughs> wait what. You're a pilot? What are you talking about? I, I, I was will, so delicious. I loved it. I, I will say this. If, if you're the wife, like just introduce the man by his first name. If you're the wife, get a divorce. Well. <laughs> you're out. Like, are you that? Like, why Why are you introducing him? Like, if he's not comfortable yeah. with being talked about, like, what he does. Of course. But, like, what, what are we lying what are you, for? I like, want to be known as a pilot. Huh. When I first, well, I'd uh, like to be known as something else. Uh, my wife was up here first when we first moved to Columbus. She was up, she was up for a year. She was a news anchor at channel the uh, NBC affiliate down in Columbus. So we did long distance for a year, and eventually it was like, look, I, there were I didn't have any connections up here, so I was, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to move there and we'll sort something out. Uh, I didn't have a job when I moved up, and so she would introduce me to people, and she this was you know this is Bo, uh, my fiance, whatever, and I would say people would ask like, well, what um you know what do you do? And I would just say, I'm independently wealthy. <laughs> and their faces would just, <laughs> what do you say? Oh, good for you, I guess. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that goes. So I, that was always my go-to all the time is I would just say that just to get people's reaction of it. Uh, eventually it all worked out, obviously. But that was, uh, I, I like that. Yeah, I, mean, that. You I like you were that going to get of, another opportunity. Right. It was just, uh, it was classic. Like this guy going, actually, I'm a pilot. Like interrupting. Actually, I'm a pilot. Come again? Really? Where do you fly? Uh, my living room. Yeah. Okay, Mike telling us that the balloon is the size of three buses and is carrying a large equipment bay. There's a three-bus-sized balloon? That's how big? Pops could definitely hit that with a 45. I'd like to think so. He could hit that. (laughs) 
Get the sniper rifle out. He's got that, that 7mm. Okay, what are you hiding? That's not I a weather know. balloon anymore. I'm know. just going to throw that out there. That's not a weather balloon. You're going to take the Chinese at their word? No. <laughs> and if I'm the United States Air Force, I'm waiting till that thing is out over the water and shooting it down. Yeah. And I'm having someone collect it because I want to know exactly I know what's what in they've that. been doing. Uh, we do have a little bit of breaking news out of the Bengals' front in terms of big, big offseason for them. You could argue probably their most important offseason. Uh, when you think about all the things that could be done on that side of things, we'll go around the league coming up next. Browns fans, today through midnight on February 9th at NFL.com slash FedEx, the NFL's official Twitter handle or the NFL mobile app to cast your vote for Nick Chubb as FedEx Ground Player of the Year. 2022 FedEx Aaron Ground NFL Players of the Year will be announced during the NFL Honors on February 9th. Remember, it is a mailbag edition of the program. Tweet your questions to us at Browns underscore daily. Use the hashtag AskCBD around the league, including that Bengals news coming up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Uh, when you're on the injured list, get a little help getting back in the game. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk's proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Uh, this is from Dove Kleiman of uh, covering the NFL. The Bengals and wide receiver T. Higgins say he could be traded a top for a top draft pick if the team can't reach an extension with him and the money he's asking for is outrageous per the athletics. So that's Jay Morrison would be doing the reporting on that. Higgins is entering the final year of his rookie contract and went over 1,000 yards in back-to-back seasons. Um this will be fascinating from a Bengals standpoint because they're not going to be able to pay them all. You no. can't pay two receivers and Burrow all, all now. And they don't have a fifth-year option on Higgins because he was stupidly a second-round pick. I don't know how he got to the second round, but he was. He's been over 1,000 yards in back-to-back seasons, too. And he's the perfect opposite chase. Oh, boy. Uh, Matt Verderam saying uh, Higgins should be asking for A.J. Brown money four years. Is Higgins a free agent now? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, because they don't have a fifth-year option on him. He's the same age as Burrow from a uh, retention standpoint. So, yeah, he would be – well, let's see. No, he would be going into his fourth year. He's due an extension. He's the same place A.J. Brown was um, last year, although Brown was a first-round pick, but that's 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 where he is. So they have him next – he's there next year, but you're either going to do an extension or you're going to trade something for him so that you can get an asset back. You're not going to let him reach true free agency. Um, they got a lot going on down there. Um, around the NFL, Derek Carr telling ESPN Stephen Holder during the Pro Bowl games that he has no intention of extending the February 15th trigger on his contract to facilitate a trade. No kidding. His contract includes $40 million bucks in injury-guaranteed salary. It's fully guaranteed three days after the Super Bowl. He will see every penny of that. Uh, we do have Sound of Carr on ESPN after his Pro Bowl performance yesterday. This is fun. Let's have a listen. You've thrown touchdown passes in Vegas before. You've been on fire. Have you ever been that hot in Las Vegas? Not that hot. It's uh, probably why I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> Bro. Well, if this was your last outing in Las Vegas, they are definitely going to miss you. (laughs) 
Ryan Clark with an odd question. I think he's had a lot of big games in Vegas, obviously. Yeah. Uh, that matter a little bit more. Carr stepped right into it, enjoyed it, uh, languished in it. It was fun to I see. I think he's secretly loving this. I now. mean, he is too. I mean, they look like bozos. Yeah. They're going to look like bozos unless they somehow get Rodgers. That's kind of the only path. And, and they have yet to allow him permission to talk to another team. <clears throat> He and his agent. Well, he, he doesn't. He's not going to because he wants the forty million. They're going to pay. Here's how this goes. But like the, the Raiders haven't even said, "Hey, why don't you try to find someone?" Well, they're not going to because they know better. He's going to get forty million guaranteed three days after the Super Bowl, and then they're going to have to cut him. He's not going to help them facilitate anything. He's going to get forty million. He's going to get cut, and then he's going to be a true free agent. So he is under no. There is zero incentive for him. This, again, goes back to how bad they botched this whole operation. Yeah. Because there was a way to handle this where maybe you could have gotten something. I mean, Dave, Derek Carr has value. Let him play the last two games of the year first and foremost. He could absolutely be – I mean, we're, we're going to go around the NFC South here coming up in the in the second hour with Easterly. I mean, he, you're talking about – you put him on New Orleans or the Bucks. that's the best team in the division. That division's brutal. So – he has real value. They blew it with the way they handled and how disrespectful they were with him. So now they're going to scratch a check to him for forty million, and he's which they don't have. The, they don't have the money to do. That's what people always say. I, they have to. <laughs> they got to have forty million. I mean, he so has we'll see to where have he gets forty million. From. But a, you yeah, know, for they, a guy, it's that, always been the issue with them. Yeah, yeah. Even with a new stadium, new facilities, everything, yeah. uh, he's still bleeding money. Yeah, it's hard to make. Well, he built that spaceship house. I guess I don't know. He gets. <laughs> 300 million a year from the TV. You ought to be able to make it work. Yeah. But that's the way it's going to go. So Carr will get his money and then he'll become a free agent. Uh, I mentioned Aaron Rodgers for the Raiders. He is at Pebble Beach uh, playing the Pebble Beach Pro Am. When asked if he had any news to share with the crowd, he says, I'm not going to San Francisco. So that's in the shadow of the Bay Area, obviously. Loving his Monterey life Peninsula. Right and uh, was asked if he was going to, was not keeping people, probably a Niners fan, my guess, asking him that question because that would be Niners country. Uh, out there that event there was a time that that was a really it still feels like it's a lot of fun but i don't know that like the golf's not great no like it used to be no so. but it, it was it was must see in the yeah. winter months like it was it was right it was always up there. it would always go into um on the national like window like when the super bowl was two weeks or you know, super bowl used to be this weekend no last weekend was what it used is the old days was the Super Bowl. So this the AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am would usually lead into the first Lakers Celtics game of the year on CBS, um, the first national televised 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 NBA game on CBS usually came on that weekend as well. They led into one another. Um, an arrest warrant issued yesterday for Bengals running back Joe Mixon, aggravated menacing incident. It occurred in Cincinnati on January 21st. That's the day before the Bengals defeated the Bills in the AFC divisional round. Uh, Mixon allegedly pointed a firearm at a woman. Okay, well, that's new information that I had this morning, um, saying you should be popped in the face. I should shoot you. Uh, the police can't get me. Um, Mixon's agent says charges will be dropped today. I need details on this. I want to know details. I want to know. How did you get to this point? Um, what what did the woman do that led to him doing that? What, did he feel threatened? I I need details. It, you can't drop charges just without randomly. us knowing the details. So, and and honestly, he shouldn't be condemned until you know the details either. And that's what it's his agent go both was ways. Saying. We got to have the information needs to be out in terms of what led to it. Um, but there's enough there, and he's coming off uh, 
one of his worst seasons in in a while. Only at 800 yards rushing, and they're saying, you know, could he be who could he be a cap cut to free up some more money? Well, he might have been that anyway. Yeah. So this would only enhance that potentially. Um, I do think it's interesting that it happened on the 21st, the day before the game against the Bills. He had like 130 some yards against the he Bills. He was vital. Yeah. In running out the clock. And it there took this second. long for this to come to fruition to where we're just finding out about it this morning and last night is a little strange. Yeah. Um, considering it's been there that long. Chiefs head coach Andy Reid telling reporters yesterday that McCole Hardman is unlikely to play in Super Bowl 57. He is optimistic that Juju will play. Kadarius Toney will be able to play as well. They are really banged up at receiver, obviously. Um, but, again, it's Reid and it's Mahomes. The big key is, can Mahomes, what's his health like with two weeks off? Yep. So we'll we'll get a better feel about that for next yeah, week. Yeah, next week. We've seen some injury reports, but nothing is really – you don't start watching things till next week. No, not at all. Uh, Dolphins doing a three-year deal with Vic Fangio that'll pay the new defensive coordinator more than four and a half million per year. Uh, that's why he went to Albert Miami. Breer. Well, I'm just—I was just thinking when I when I'm as I'm reading these numbers, like you used to not get paid like that to be a coordinator, Correct. in the NFL. Like that's like head coach money, four and a half million a year. Yeah, um, that is a big digit. I'm—I'm—that feels new. That that you would have that type of money on a court. That's I would think even the high end coordinators might be at a million, one point five. Yeah, maybe? I don't. You don't Not ever four see that. No, that's head coach money. Um, but we saw Sean Payton got upwards of twenty million dollars a year in Denver. So there's there's that part of it as well. Um, more around the league. Former Panthers interim coach Steve Wilkes, of course, was here. We'll interview on Monday for the 49ers. Vacated defensive coordinator job. D'Amico Ryans, of course, was previously there. He is now the head coach of the Houston Texans. That per the NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. Uh, our guy, former Browns offensive coordinator Todd Monken, getting a second interview with the Ravens for their OC position. So it seems like he wants out of college. Which I, I understand, given the NIL, the recruiting, everything yeah. else. Yeah, I would assume that you'd want to go back to the NFL. Yeah, he's in. He may have to take a pay cut to do so, um, but he's made he's good probably, money at Georgia for say, the last couple of years. He's, he's made the good highest money, paid. Period. He's the highest paid coordinator, uh, offensive coordinator in college football last year at upwards of two million. So he's done that for a couple of years and probably just exhausted by this recruiting and yes. NIL and free transfer. And I mean, when you're the offensive coordinator at a place like Georgia, you got a lot of a lot of babies to kiss and hands to shake. So. Um, my hunch, he's probably just wants to get back to, to being a ball coach a little bit. Absolutely. So he did. He was in Tampa for an interview and now with the Ravens for an interview. He, he would be an incredible – that would be a drastic turn for the Ravens with what he wants to do based on what they've been doing. So whether that's with Lamar or someone else, what he yeah. wants to do offensively is not what they've done. No, not what Monken has ever done. But, yeah, and Period. vice versa. Like the Ravens – it. Wouldn't fit what the Ravens have ever done with Lamar and and Monken would not what he does wouldn't fit with what they've ever done. The Broncos are interviewing Brian Flores, a linebacker and senior assistant uh, with the Steelers, linebacker coach rather for their DC position. That would seem like a no brainer. Flores and Peyton. Yeah, if I'm Peyton, I'm definitely I want the best possible staff, yeah. and I think everybody else now is scrambling because they know Peyton's going after big time play uh, coaches. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big bet there for them. Uh, we will do an off-season position breakdown coming up next. We will hit on the defensive tackles. Z with his breakdown of the position. AP will join as well for his. That's all coming up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Bally Bet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. 
Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Drops, looks, throws, and again it got hit and tipped. The Browns defenders up front. They are playing beach volleyball right now with Mayfield, and they are winning on spikes. Perry on Winfrey, it looked like, got his hand up on that one. Jackson in the shotgun from his own 18, third down 17, getting a blitz again. Here comes the Browns, and they're going to get him back at the five-yard line. As blowing in is Taven Bryant, he got in there. Jordan Elliott was in there too. And how about that for an opening salvo by the Browns defense, a loss of 13. Burrow back to pass, and he's going down. They got him again. Taven Bryant is in there. Down went Burrow, back inside his 25. You know, TB is an explosive guy, you know what I mean? If anything, just learning from him is just, we all got to play off each other. You know, we all brothers at the end of the day, and, and you know, we really got to buy into that so that, you know, it shows up on the field. He's back. In the pocket, he's going to get hit, knocked down, they got him! Jordan Elliott got him! All the way back at the 15-yard line! Boy, it is he one happy defender, isn't he? Brady taking the step, back to pass, he's looking, a lot of time, a lot of time, he loads up and got sacked, he got knocked down! Jordan Elliott got him finally and knocked him down, he had a ton of time, and he drops him for the first sack of the afternoon, back at the 16. Blitz coming up the gut, here they come after Burrow, and he got hit! Ball is out, ball is loose! Hang on, Cleveland ball! Tommy Togiai comes out of the pile with the ball! Just gaining closeness with uh, with our position group. I think uh, our D-line group, we got real close this year. Uh, just getting to know each everyone in that room and even our position coach and just having fun with it each and every day. Like we put in the work, and but then we can also have fun. On first down, drops to throw, looks, getting pressure, flushed right. Here they come after him at his feet. He's going down. They got him back at the 15-yard line. Tommy Togiai. Tommy Togiai. How about that? All right, great stuff there. And now with the breakdown, here's Dr. Z. All right, thanks, Bo. Yeah, this is the position of, I would say, the biggest need on the Browns' defense going into the offseason in 2023. It was a position that was, frankly, a little bit of a liability for the Browns. Did not get a ton out of it in terms of pass rush, and we know how much the Browns struggled to stop the run. And so part of that was that they were light in the middle of the defense. There was just not a lot of tremendous size. You look at some of the teams around the league, and they would have guys who weighed 320, 330. Take the Washington Commanders with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, and we'll get to Payne in a little bit, but you had significant size. The Browns kind of maxed out there. You know, Taven, people listed at 300 who probably were playing around 280, and the Browns got pushed around in the middle. And not only that, they did not really generate a ton of pass rush from the interior as well. And so what it added up to was a room that the Browns have made investments in. You know, they've used draft picks in in each of the last two drafts there, uh, or each of the last three drafts, I'm sorry, in that room. But it just hasn't manifested in finding that diamond in the rough yet that can be a stud for you. And so it's kind of been piecemeal. You go back, you know, to the 2020 season and on the interior of that defensive line, you were led by Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi. Well, you go to the 2021 season. It was Malik Jackson and Malik McDowell last year, Jordan Elliott and Taven Bryant. So you have not had one starter carry over from the previous season to the following in this defensive tackle room. And I think that lack of continuity, that lack of star power has really hindered what the Browns have been able to do on the interior of their defensive line. And it's something that I think needs to be addressed uh, and needs to be addressed this offseason. And the Browns have multiple ways to do that. We'll get to that in a second. Let's just start with who is going to be back for the Browns 
in this room and then what questions there are for the Browns in this room. As I mentioned, the starters were Jordan Elliott and Taven Bryant. Elliott was a Browns third-round pick in the 2020 draft. This was your career highs across the board because this was the most that he had ever played. He gave you 36 tackles, five tackles for a loss, two sacks. That was a career high, the first one coming against Atlanta. He will be entering the final year of his rookie contract. Next to him was Taven Bryan, the former first-rounder who was brought in from Jacksonville. And I think the Browns would welcome Taven Bryan back. Taven Bryan gave you three sacks this season. He was second on the team in sacks, second on the team in pressures generated. Um, But, again, three sacks, not really enough. Now, could he be part of a rotation? Could he be more of a situational pass rusher for you? Sure. But Taven Bryan's an unrestricted free agent. We'll see what the Browns decide to do there uh, with the decision on him. So those were your starters. Who were the backups for you? Well, it was Perrion Winfrey, your fourth-round pick in this year's draft. Just finished his rookie season. He had a half a sack. He did lose two sacks over the second half of the season due to penalty uh, away from the ball ones that really didn't even affect the play. So he flashed. But Perrion Winfrey was a fourth-round pick for a reason. You know, with Senior Bowls going on right now down in Mobile, Alabama, he was the MVP of that game. The reason he went in the fourth round were there were some concerns about his ability to maximize his talent because there were questions about his ability to truly be a professional. And he battled that in his rookie season, and he would be the first to tell you that he's got room to improve there. And if he can, he's got the clay, he's got the talent, he's got the raw ability to be a starter in this league and be an impact player for the Browns on the defensive line. But at this point, because of those kind of professional concerns, not somebody that you could go in and say, all right, guaranteed he's going to take a leap, guaranteed he's going to maximize his potential. So here we are through three guys. We don't have any definitive answers. We don't have any definitive starters. Tommy Togiai, the fourth-round pick in 2021, 12 games, half a sack that came in week one. He was inactive the majority of basically the end of the year. I think he was inactive five out of the last six games. He's too small. And I don't know if he can bulk up enough to the point where he can be an impact player for this team. Now, there were some flashes at times, but for the most part, it was it was inconsistent for Tommy Togiai. And he was a guy that, you know, coming out of Ohio State, you thought had a chance to really develop uh, after being a fourth-round pick. And it just – it really hasn't manifested itself. You know, he played in Week 11. He was inactive with Weeks 12, 13, 14, 15, and Week 17. Uh, he played one snap in Week 16, that cold game against the Saints, and then he had 16 snaps in the final uh, finale against the Steelers. But he has not given you any indication that he can be a starter for you. So you've got to get better. And really, you're questioning, can he be a role player? You picked up Ben Still as the season went on, uh, who was an undrafted free agent, spent some time with Miami. He's an exclusive rights-free agent, but certainly it didn't feel like you saw something where he flashed so much you said, oh, he can be a starter, but good guy to have in the program. Same with Roderick Perry, who's an undrafted free agent that saw some action for the Browns as well last year. So here we are. I think it's safe to say we could have two new starters in, in 2023. And now one of them could be Perry on Winfrey. Now, could be Jordan Elliott as well, which would be some continuity at the position for the first time uh, in a long time. I just don't know, but this is a position that absolutely needs to be addressed. You got three sacks from Brian. You got the two sacks from Jordan Elliott. That's five. You got a half a sack each from Togiai and Winfrey. So you got six total sacks from your defensive tackle room on a season. That's not good enough. Just to put that in, in 
in context. One of the guys that I, two of the guys that are at the top of the list, right? One would be Javon Hargrave with the Eagles. He had 11 sacks this season. The other, Deron Payne. Now he's kind of the darling. He would be the one you want. 6'3", 320 pounds, only 26 years old, coming off of a career year, 11 and a half sacks. He had about 20 tackles for loss. You know, we don't have people who look like that or who have produced like that. Again, either one of those guys almost would have doubled up the sack total of our entire defensive tackle room. So changes have to be made. This is priority one on defense. We talked about defensive end yesterday. That's obviously an important position to address, but defensive tackle I think is number one. And I think you can do it in a number of ways. Obviously, free agency in the draft, those are your levers to try to acquire talent. I could see the Browns going for a big splash on a Deron Payne if they can make that happen. I'd be surprised if Washington lets him go, by the way. Feels like a good franchise candidate. But if he were to come available, that's a big splash. That's a big investment. That's a superstar in the middle. Now, with him, you could either draft or you could sign another what I would call a cheaper free agent who's just a big guy, like a 330-pounder, a two-down player, not a pass rusher, but a space eater because when you have small linebackers like the Browns do with a Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, Awok, Jacob Phillips, guys who are not your big thumpers like a Reggie Ragland who we saw at the end of the year and you know could be back with the Browns, you need to get, occupy blockers so that they're free to run to the ball. And that was the biggest problem with the Browns' run defense last year is that your defensive tackles were getting blown off the ball. They are getting blown back. Not only that, linemen were able to get to the second level, and they were able to handle the Jeremiah Wusukormo and a Phillips who are you know, in the 220-240 range. So that, to me, is a very important thing to address. And so I mentioned free agency, Payne Hargrave, those are the home runs. You know, you could go in the draft, and, and Dane Brugler at The Athletic, his most recent two-round mock draft, he has the Browns taking Mazzy Smith, a defensive tackle out of Michigan. He says he would be the best defensive tackle on the team. So if you were to draft early, because we've drafted third round, fourth round, fourth round, we just haven't produced a star yet. Potential in Elliott, I think real potential in Winfrey if we can get everything on a professional level. But maybe you make that investment. That's your first pick there. You bring in one more veteran who's a big space eater, and away you go and hope that Elliott and Winfrey can continue to develop. It's a position of big need, though. But that's the way that you have to look at it. You have to apply multiple, I think, assets to it. I think you need multiple body types. You need a run stuffer. You need somebody who can help you pressure the quarterback. You can do that, as I said, draft or free agency. They're the big ticket items, though. Deron Payne, you know, that is a big, big ticket guy. Even a Draymond Jones in Denver, which would be the next one down, but he's a little smaller. He would give you, if you signed a Draymond Jones who had six and a half sacks last year, He's a guy that you would bring in as a pass rusher, and then you'd still need to bring in either the draft or free agency, a big guy, a 320, a monster. That's what the Browns need in the middle of this defensive line. So a lot of needs here. Andrew Barry, he's going to have to go shopping. He's going to have to go shopping. I was told that you know around the league sometimes when they're not happy with a player's play on tape, they bring him into the room. The coach says, look, if this is what you're doing, I'm going to have to go shopping. The Browns have to go shopping at defensive tackle and so that's the way that you can do it draft free agency probably a combo of both but it's ultimately not just one skill set one not one body type you need two skill sets you need beef you need big you need eat up double teams but you also need somebody who can get to the quarterback because right now we don't have that on the interior and that's why you run into a situation where miles garrett has 16 of our 34 sacks Taven bryan had three but then the next two guys Deion jones two and a half jacob phillips at two 
Those are off-ball linebackers who are getting sets from either blitzing and are spying and then chasing down quarterbacks. Not as a part of our natural pass rush. We need to be able to get home with four, keep seven in coverage. That's how you succeed. That's what the Philadelphia Eagles are doing. You know, they had four guys on their team with double-digit sacks first time in history. Two of them were on the interior, Fletcher Cox and Hargrave. The Browns need somebody on the interior that can be a real disruptor, and hopefully they're able to find that this offseason. Payne would be ready-made. You'd come right in. You'd play him. He would be a superstar for you right out of the gates. But if not, you're going to have to do a combination where you're taking pieces of people's skill sets to turn them into one great player, one guy who can kind of really hold it down for you on early downs and then in obvious passing situations, somebody who can get after the quarterback. So that's a look at the defensive tackle room for the Cleveland Browns. It is one that needs to be overhauled. It has been overhauled, it feels like, every single year under Andrew Barry as we lined out for you. Different starting combinations in 20, 21, and 22. Likely a different starting combination in 23 as well. What an effort out of Z on that as we bring in staff writer Anthony Poizel to join us in the program. AP, this is, I mean, quite frankly, when you look at this, I mean, these are draft picks, right? I mean, it's boom, boom, boom. These are Elliott, Togiai, Winfrey. These all needed to be hits or one of them needed to be hits. Winfrey feels like maybe he still could be, uh, but on Elliott and Togiai, it does feel like the patience is starting to wane. And I do think you can look at this and say, Andrew Barry's done a lot of great things when it comes to draft uh, drafting and uh, putting this roster together. This has been the one thing where you needed to have some more hits. You don't have a sure thing anywhere on this roster. No, no, not at all. I don't all. think we have AP's mic working. Check it now. Are now we good? There good. we go. Hey, hey. <laughs> But uh, this but, is the one spot, though, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, this was the year where you really needed to see somebody like Jordan Elliott and even Tommy Togia, even though Elliott's a third year. This was Togia's second year. Uh, none of those guys stepped up like the way that you would have thought they would have going into their second or third seasons. And, you know, you mentioned Perry on. Um, he's the one guy that I think, you know, you still can get a year or two out of him and, and see what see what he's able to bring. But yeah, this is the position that uh, AB's probably missed the most on since he's since he's gotten into this building, and it's one that I think is going to be the f the focus point of the defense this off season. And and we're, we're probably going to see a lot of new players in that room. Um, you know, I think maybe Perion is 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 a guy that they're going to make sure that they have an opportunity to give him an extra role next year or a bigger role next year if he's able to take it. But um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of changes at this, and and uh, it starts with the guys that Jim Schwartz is ultimately going to think are, are going to be able to fit his schemes and do what he wants to do with this defense. Yeah, I kind of think, in a way, Perrion's the only one that you think could turn into something of that could be counted on. I think we've we've seen a lot of Jordan Elliott. We've seen a lot of Tommy Togiai. I think we know what they are and what they are not. Winfrey's mm -hmm. the one that you think maybe there's a little more to it. But he's got to grow up, too. He's got to be able to handle it. Exactly. Uh, the big thing with Perry on this year, unfortunately, was just the disciplinary issues that popped up uh, over the course of the season. And um, uh, if, if he's able to overcome those in year two, you know, the coaching staff does feel very good about what he is able to do. You know, I think uh, Chris Kiffin said it a, a few weeks back in his, la his last media session uh, for the regular season was, um, you know, he was very raw talent. He showed that at Oklahoma. He had the tools to be able to, to move offensive linemen. But um, ultimately in the system that they had here, they needed more than just raw tools, right? They needed, and that's a, obviously the course across the NFL, but um, needed more than just uh, technique. It was, it was making sure his footwork was where it needed to be. He was filling his gaps. It wasn't just simply trying to shove forward a, a center or a guard. It was trying to make sure you were staying gap sound and in, and in your state. And that's something that Perry on that, uh, that he's has the most area to work on, on the field. Um, and he'll have a chance to do that if he's also able to just, you know, 
play or be uh, be cleaner if you had and not uh, avoid the disciplinary issues. Gibby asked the question: How can we expect the defensive tackles to look under Jim Schwartz next season? Different, different is what we can expect. <laughs> I think that's like, all you can really say. <laughs> they, they won't they I, won't look like these guys. No, and I think he values that position. Yeah. A lot more. Every than stop maybe he's been, been at, valued the they've the had dudes yeah. at D tackle. Now the bad news is those dudes don't grow on trees. No. And if you don't have a first round pick, you're Correct. not going to get one likely in the drafts. So you're going to have to get lucky in the draft. Yeah. You have to be ultra aggressive in free agency, as Z pointed out. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an this is a complete overhaul. I mean, I think you need you really need two dudes coming in. At, so yeah, at, two just at, at D least. Tackle. You got to get at least one of the. Let I think alone D yeah. end. I mean, you need a dude at D end, and you need one real dude at D tackle, and then mm-hmm. another one that you think can turn into one, and maybe that's Perion. Yeah. But I think you need two dudes on the defensive line. We did DNs two days ago on the program. Mm-hmm. You need one there, it too. It was just Miles last year. I mean, you look Miles. at the sack numbers. It, you it. need a couple. That's because I mean. you better have someone to back up in the event that someone gets hurt. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, that, yeah. that also became a problem this year for yeah. us. Yeah, and i got to be honest. I don't know what they're going to do at, at defensive end because you've got enough uh, of the salary cap space that you have to spend on defensive tackle. Um, but – I will say there are going to be a lot of good free agent DTs, and I know Z was covering a lot of them. But there are two guys uh, that that you know were on, played with Schwartz before, Fletcher Cox and Hargrave. are going to be playing in the Super Bowl next week. I think yeah. those two guys that, when you look at the list of DTs, those those are going to pop off the page instantly because they're familiar with Schwartz and and the, you know what he wants out of his defensive line. And obviously Cox, he's he's at the end of his career. I think he's this will be his thirty three uh, age thirty three season next year. Um, but he's still a guy that's playing at a really high level this year and I think would be interested uh, for the front office here. You need a long term, though. They've been searching for that for Definitely. years, both as a defensive end opposite Miles and, and on the defensive front at defensive tackle. We just have not hit on those. Well, you, you had one in Ogunjobi, but the numbers just didn't match up from a salary yeah. standpoint. I and mean, from a long way from that, I mean, yeah. it, you know, Emmanuel Agba was a guy who was here who's had a nice run here as well. Yeah. So there's. You know, we got to. We've looked for that for a long time, and they they do need to lock that up. Do you think this is the biggest priority for the Browns this offseason? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the big uh, concern all last season was just the run defense, and that was because it just wasn't the job just wasn't getting done at defensive tackle. And if you're going to find a way to vastly improve the roster as a whole, obviously, but then the defense—that's the area that you need to address the most this offseason. Then it's got to be about finding a way to to be better on run defense and finding more ways to get to the quarterback and. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't take a genius to look at this roster and find out that that means getting better defensive tackles. I think it's D tackle and I think it's speed receiver. I think those two things exactly, are, yeah. are one and one A. You can rank them however you rank them. Both need to be addressed in a in a very, very big way. Um, last one on this AP. Yeah. Is it easier to improve this position through free agency or the draft? Yeah, I mean, just like we were saying, definitely free agency. You don't have a first round pick. Maybe you still take a shot at a guy with your second or third round pick. But um, you got there's there's good guys hitting free agency this year at defensive tackle and you've got to be aggressive in getting them um i think this front office fortunately last few years has been aggressive in attacking the top positional needs in free agency and the draft and so i think they will go pretty hard at some of these top name dts obviously fletcher cox javon hargrave deron Payne, like he also uh suggested a minutes ago um there's good guys that are, they're going to be able to sign and i think they'll be able to have the cap space to make a run at at, at most if not all of them um, and they, they've got to do it. They've got to find a way to get one of them if they really want to give Schwartz uh, the kind of pieces he's used to having in his defenses. If you want to contend in the AFC, you have to. Exactly. It's just that simple. Like yep. you just, There's no other way. Yeah. You can't, you can't do it another way. So that's, sure. it's going to be a very, very big offseason for that. AP, good stuff, buddy.
Absolutely. Always. Have a great week, Glenn. Thank you for joining us here in yeah. studio. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll be joined by Luke Easterling. He covers the Bucks. Could a fire sale be in the offering down in Tampa Bay as they move on to life without Tom Brady? You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, time to head out on that Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea Hotline, official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland, as we are joined by the editor of the Draft Wire, the Bucks Wire, USA Today media group member Luke Easterling joining us, who had a really interesting tweet this morning in terms of the Bucks plans for this offseason. But before we get to that, Luke, and thank you so much for the time, uh, take us through from your vantage point the last week with Brady. Um, was this the conclusion that you thought was coming, or did you think there was a chance that he would be back? I, you know, I thought it was pretty 50-50. Um, uh, I think that what you saw was somebody who obviously had a lot of personal reasons um, to, to walk away from the game, um, but, but knew he could still play at a high level. Um, and, and I think it was either the Bucks or, or retirement. I, I think all the other rumors and the other places and the other conversations um, were really just speculation. And I think at the end of the day, as, as a lot of us here in the area and who have been in that building kind of, predicted that it was either going to be a, another season with the Bucks, or that he was going to walk away for good this time and, and that's what we got what was this uh what was this ride like with him down there I mean it's it was pretty special um and, and again I you know I cover them as a job now but I grew up in this mm-hmm. area I was literally born right next door to the stadium the hospital that's right there so I you know growing up a creamsicle kid and rooting mm-hmm. for some really bad Bucks teams for a long long time um, the fact that he just signed with the Bucks at all in, in 2020 was, was a huge moment for this fan base. And, and the fact that he chose to come to Tampa Bay and, and chose the, that team to say, hey, that's where I can go and win a championship. And that's what he did. So, you know, this, again, the, the most successful two-year run in franchise history, the, the 21, 20 and 21 seasons, um, three straight playoff trips, two straight NFC South titles and, and I mean, he's either one, two, or three in every passing category in Bucks history now after three seasons. So, three years? Is he know, really? Impact, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, it's either him, Vinny, Testaverde, or Jameis Winston in every category, one, two, or three. So it didn't wow. take long for him to, uh, to leave an, a lasting impression and a lasting legacy on this team and this fan base and the community. Um, just a, a fantastic um, – a fantastic run. Again, the fans here will never forget it. They'll be forever grateful. I know I am, both from a fan standpoint, and obviously it gave me a lot of content to write over the last mm-hmm. three years. I uh, got to cover a Super Bowl and, and just uh, a truly magical run and something that I think the fans here will always appreciate, and I hope he does too. One of those things that upon him choosing Tampa Bay, I don't know if all of us who don't cover them on a daily basis were fully aware of how good the roster was, right? Um, but Brady was, and and that was a big part of it. I mean, living in Tampa is great, um, but that roster is a big part of it, and much of that roster remains. They have issues like everybody does, but you were pretty emphatic uh, this morning on Twitter, not trading Mike Evans, not trading Godwin, not trading Vita Vey. Uh, they're not trading their core veteran players. They're not tanking in 2023. So, Luke, if they're not going to do those things, because I will be candid with you, my thinking was that they would, that you would go that route with it and try to rebuild through the draft. What will the plan be in Tampa at quarterback? How will they approach this? Well, and again, you know, my tweet was not necessarily, you know, this is what they should do because I think sure. obviously, you know, outside looking in, you can look at a lot of the reasons why this is a perfect opportunity for them to say, hey, it was a great run and we had a lot of fun. 
Um, but now, you know, we're, we're way over the salary cap. We got some aging veterans. We got a lot of money we can move around. Maybe now is the time to kind of, you know, strip it all down and, and start over. And, and it's not that I don't see those dots being connected. And it's not like I don't see that being making sense. This is more from what I understand of the people that I talk to in that building and, and the, the idea, the strategy that I think they're going to go for. I think they are not going to attempt a rebuild. Whether or not a rebuild has forced upon them remains to be seen. Uh, yeah. Again, a lot of fans have responded in kind to be like, hey, they won't have to try to tank. It'll happen naturally. And again, if that happens, that's one thing. But it's going to happen with Mike Evans on the team. It's going to happen with Chris Godwin and Vita Vea and Ryan Jensen and Antoine Winfield and Tristan Wirfs, uh, you know, and all these other players that are key to their success. They're still going to be there this year. This is not going to be a fire sale. And again, you can argue about whether or not they should have one. I'm just telling you from what I know, it's not going to be that way. At least this offseason, that is not the plan. I think their plan is to go forward and do the best they can at quarterback. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that's, you know, hey, we think we have enough talent. Maybe we bring in a really good offensive coordinator, which, again, they still don't have it at the moment. They don't have an offensive coordinator right now after firing Byron Leftwich and a lot of that offensive staff. So that will have a lot to do with it. But whether that's Kyle Trask, whether that's Derek Carr, whether that's Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo or, you know, Jacoby Brissett or whether they want to trade up in this draft and, and get one of those top quarterbacks, that part remains to be seen. But I feel very strongly, based on the conversations that I've had, that this is not a fire sale. They are not going to be entertaining. Which, again, what I tweeted was really in response to a lot of, you know, everybody out there who needs a receiver wants Mike Evans, and they want Chris Godwin, and I completely understand why. We'd take him. (laughs) Right. So, you know, it's not that I don't understand, but but I'm, you know, just hoping to put that out there for those fans so they understand that from the Bucks' perspective, that's just not a realistic possibility right now. That's not not the plan. Luke, you mentioned the cap issues. who are some of the cap casualties that it will be hard for them to do anything but part with? Who are guys who won't be there next year? It would be very hard, at least, for them to be back next year. So, you know, you start with the free agents, right? Because they're going, basically right now they are looking at about $55 million over the cap. Now, that was before Tom Brady's retirement. And the reason that Tom Brady's retirement is so vital to this is because if Tom had gone to play for anyone other than Tampa Bay this year, they would have had to eat a $35 million dead cap hit this year altogether right now. And so what, what Brady's retirement does is it will allow them, if they want to do this, which I assume they will, basically they would sign him to a, a, a short extension just for the, the sake of being able to move some money around and, and drop his cap number. And Basically, they would carry an $11 million cap charge to June 1st. Then they would process his retirement after the fact. And it would basically allow them to take that $35 million dead cap hit and split it with 11 of it this year and the other 24 in, 20, uh, in 2024. So okay. the reason that's huge is because obviously that saves them 24 of that $55 million, gets them to about $30 million over, and is, is really a big help. And, and a lot of fans would be like, well, why push the dead money? Why not eat it all this year and hopefully be better next year? Well, next year the salary cap's going to go up a lot again, which it always does. And next year the Bucks have far fewer free agents to re-sign next season as well. So it'll be easier for them to absorb that. They need that extra money right now to just get under the cap at all. And then again, to go back to the other free agents, Brady was going to be a free agent, but Levante David is a free agent. Jamel Dean, they're, they're one of their best cornerbacks is a free agent. Sean Murphy Bunting, Anthony Nelson, a lot of yeah. key players on that two deep are going to be free agents. They're not going to be able to keep very many of them, even if they get under the cap a little bit. So um, 
Jamel Dean is the one guy I'm pretty confident won't be back just because I think he will, he deserves and will get a lot of money on the open market. And the Bucks just paid 45 million over three years for, for Carlton Davis last off season. You know, some team is going to give Jamel Dean 15, $20 million a year. And the Bucks just are not going to be able to match that. There's no way. So he's one in terms of guys that are already under contract. The two that I will look at uh, that could be big names that people will know Donovan Smith, the left tackle, who mm-hmm. played really well during the Super Bowl run, really well in 2021, but got injured in week one this year. I know he was dealing with some off-field things, um, some undisclosed things that he had mentioned earlier in the season. Had a, Just had a rough year and, and played very poorly, but I know he was dealing with a lot. I think his cap number is somewhere near 17 or $18 million this year. So for a left tackle who really underperformed last year, I know the Bucks have a lot of respect for him. I know it's hard to find a left tackle with as much experience as he has. But that's a lot of money, and if they think they can improve and, and do it cheaper somewhere else, uh, that's definitely something they're going to have to look at. And Leonard Fournette is the other guy. You know, they, they, they drafted Rashad White in the third round last year. He really, I mean, looked like the better running back for most of the season this year. Lenny was already starting to get a little bit banged up over the last couple of years, so I think they could save a little bit of money there. Cameron Brait, the tight end, is another veteran guy who's probably making more money than the Bucks need him for. I think he could be a cap casualty as well. So definitely three familiar faces there that the Bucks could yeah. be without. Luke, as you, you know, the interesting thing, too, is is you go big picture and you look at that division. I mean, the Bucks won it with an under 500 record this year. Um, I look around it. I don't see quarterbacks really in any of them that you're in love with. I don't know how the Falcons feel about Ritter. Um, it's an incredibly winnable division, and there are some quarterbacks' names. How much does that factor into this for the Bucks? where it's like, hey, um, you know, and by the way, the same could apply to the NFC. Because who knows what happens with Rodgers. Um, the stat, Stafford's coming off of injury. I mean, the Eagles are the Eagles, but beyond that, the NFC is pretty wide open. How much does that factor into the thinking here? Not just for the Bucks, but for everybody in the South, where it feels like he who gets the quarterback can win it. Yeah, I think it's a big factor. And on a, I really do think that in terms of how the Bucks look at this in particular, they're like, you know, listen, why, why do we have to blow it up? Even if in any other circumstance, you know, if we were in a different division and it was obviously such an uphill climb, to, to make the playoffs at all, maybe they would feel differently about it. But I think you're right. I think they look around this division and they think it's not that the other teams aren't going to get better this offseason. Obviously, everybody hopes they will. But yeah. can you really look at any of those other three teams and think they will be favored over the Bucks next year, regardless of who's mm-hmm. at quarterback because of the talent they have in other places? I really don't think so. You know, so it's, again, I think, I think that's a big factor. I think they do look at it and say, listen, if we can get a quarterback who's just good enough, this is, again, probably the most winnable division in the NFL. It sure as heck was this year. Um, so I, I think you're right. I, I think that's a big part of it. Uh, and I think it really wouldn't take a whole lot at that position. And, again, a lot of this comes down to the scheme. And because the, a lot of the, the offense's problems this year were because they had a, a very outdated scheme. Then the play calling was not helpful. The injuries that they had on the offensive line, the, 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 the coaching on that side of the ball did not respond well in terms of making adjustments to account for that. The fact that they, they basically made a 45-year-old quarterback set the NFL record for pass attempts in a season is ridiculous. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. the scheme just doesn't do a lot to, to help a quarterback out, to scheme guys open. It's basically, hey, line up and my guys are going to beat your guys. And you know what? That worked in 2020 when it was Mike Evans and Chris Godwin at full strength and Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski and three pro bowlers on the offensive line because Tom Brady could just stand back there for eight seconds and somebody would get open. One of those three future Hall of Famers is going to get open. You can't cover them all. So when guys get hurt and guys aren't there, no A.B., no Gronk, no Ryan Jensen, no Ali Marpet because he retired, no Alex Kappa, 
you know, you start to deal with all those injuries. Now you're not just that much better than everybody now. And your scheme has got to account for that. It didn't. So, you know, again, the choice they make at offensive coordinator, I think is going to have a huge impact on just how easy it might be for them to win this division again. Luke, great stuff, man. Thank you so much for your time today. Hey, pleasure. Thanks so much. All right, that's Luke Easterling. Uh, always a treat to have him on. He's at the Draft Wire, the Bucks Wire, and USA Today Sports Media Group. Good work out of him. He joined on the Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea Hotline, official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. Uh, coming up next, the free agent list that every team ought to sign, including us. It's a wide receiver. There's your hint. You might be surprised the name that you that we will uh, we will share with you coming up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. New way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns to help your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers, presented by Milkbone, the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. Hello, Gibbe. All right, so according to this Chinese surveillance balloon yeah. forecasted travel map. I I was right. So our good friend Rex Chapman yes. tweeted out where the balloon was, and you can track the balloon. Fantastic. Uh on some kind of dot com site. All right. It it, it it is currently if I if I can pull this map up. Can I pull the map up? Well, I saw, I saw that it was headed. It'll be like in southwest Missouri at some point by the oh, end no, of the no, day. No, no, no. We're past that. Oh, we're past that already. Yeah, we're, we're basically into Atlanta, just north of Atlanta. All and right. it's going to go through the middle of the Carolinas and then out to sea. All right. So then I think the obvious choice would be the obvious question, fair, would be uh, why has this thing not been shot down if it has a very clear path that it, appears to be being driven? Yeah, I mean, it, it has right. gone through four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's gone through 11 states. Yeah. Wild. Hello. Uh, not wild. Kyrie Irving has requested a trade from the Nets. <laughs> and that's where I was going to go next. There is your uh, – There, that one was well on – so they've, they've actually played really well, and he's like, yeah, I'm good. I'll see you on down the road, boys. That's his, Just uh, about time. When, when a team is yeah. playing well, guess who can kill it? I do wonder if, if he's the reason that the Lakers haven't made the deals that people think that they were going to made to be made. I do wonder if he ends up there for like a second round pick in Westbrook or something I like that to make the money. I think he and LeBron. I like think each they, other. they both. It's almost like that. I think that the, it's almost like. Does anybody like him? Does anybody like either one? Well, I think a lot of people company. like like LeBron other than you. I don't think that anybody likes Kyrie. Like nobody. So like. Maybe he's come to the realization that the only place that he can has had success is with LeBron. He was a little – he was pretty good when he was here the last time, like reflecting on his time here. And I, I hope as he gets older there's more appreciation given because he was brilliant fun to watch here um, and hit the most important shot in the history of the franchise. So that – I don't – you hope that the, there aren't bitter feelings forever uh, around that because it was a hell of a time. And he was even before LeBron came. The reason LeBron came back, right? The the big reason LeBron came back is because Kyrie was here, so they had a dude that he could play with, that allowed for all of that. Um, T. Higgins, twenty five minutes ago, here y'all go. Yeah, that's a response to all of that stuff. Yeah. So, I Bengals have a lot, man. 
there's a lot on their plate as they try to try to sort through all of this. CBSSports.com 2023 NFL free agency. One player each team should prioritize signing in the offseason. There are some big names here. For example, the Falcons with Lamar Jackson. Um, that is provided that the Bengals, I guess, either wouldn't franchise him or he wouldn't sign it. Um, DJ Chark to the Ravens. Oh, no, thank you. I don't want that. Um, Although he can't stay healthy. This is a lot of fun. I mean, they have stuff like Saquon Barkley to the Bills. Um, like none of this stuff's going to happen. But they do have Alan Lazard to us. It, it is fascinating what happens with Barkley. The, the Giants are a fascinating team to watch this offseason. Between Danny Dimes and what we believe he's going to come back, but at what price? You know, w- what exactly is he going to cost? Because you don't want to overpay Danny Dimes. No. But he is going to cost you something. And are you going to pay Saquon Barkley, who racked up 1,650 oh yards from scrimmage and 10 TDs? Yeah, you're going to pay him some. I just think, like, well, it'll be probably more worth? along the Nick Chubb line than the Ezekiel Elliott line. So it'll be if Saquon can is willing to do that. I'll tell you this, I don't like. I sneak all the way down to Pittsburgh, Deron Payne. I don't want that uh, in any way, shape, or form. So Come on. We, do, we do not need that here. They do have Jimmy Garoppolo to the Bucks as, as one to be, as you, you think about that quarterback. Uh, kind of rotation that would go there. Um, Alan Lazard, us, they write the wide receiver market isn't exactly stacked this year, which works in Lazard's favor. The soon-to-be former Packer had a career year, 60 catches, 788, six touchdowns, 27 years old. Interesting weapons for the Browns, of course, in Cooper, DPJ, uh, David Bell, and the Chief, but they need another one if they want to get the most out of Deshaun. Um, I don't know. Does Lazard fit? Is he a speedster? What we need? I mean – 60 catches and 788 yards. That that I I'm interested. Six touchdowns. But okay. Yeah, I don't. But is he fast? Can can is he the guy to get behind defenses? I don't know if he's get the top off guy or not. I, 13 yards of reception last year. The six touchdowns. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think you're gonna you're gonna start to see a lot of things just thrown at the at the wall and see if it sticks. Um, you know, for the Browns. I, I think that for sure you will be in high-speed pursuit of receivers. Like, Chark, to me, would make more sense. Um, but but we'll see. You you have to address that, and you have to address defensive line. I mean, you, in the biggest possible way. So you can't do it through the draft. This is from a, a, a fantasy website, fantasy sports website. As an athlete, Lazard is a beast, running a four five five forty at 225 pounds. Well, that That's ain't it, not, though. You're that not, ain't it. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like, I mean, just from the statistical accumulation and acknowledging, as, you, as if you probably haven't already noticed, you and I aren't watching every single Packers game that's played, um, that it feels more like he's more in the DPJ mold, another big physical guy who can get contested catches. What what this operation needs is uh, a 4-3 guy is is kind of where it is. Here's one that I just saw this is. This would make this would make me happy on various levels. Uh, Dan Orlovsky, hey, Bears trade for T. Higgins. That would make a lot of sense. If, if that can happen. And they've got the capital to do so. Yeah, yeah, they really do. Um, that, yeah. that's, that's a pretty fascinating one. I'd, anything that, that waters down um, anything that waters down the AFC in any way, I'm for, and that would water that down. I don't think I think Cincinnati will do everything in their power to keep Higgins there. I think that they know how special this thing is. They still have two more years before they have to, even if they do the extension with Burrow, they still have two more years before it really kicks in. Yeah, he can get paid the $1 million contract or mm-hmm. and then 
Then you really well, he would be play. eleven. I think he's eleven million uh, next year. Burrow is, and then the year after that, even if the extension, he's like in the twenties before it goes to like fifty. So even on a big extension, there's still a couple more years. And knowing them, I th- I don't think that Burrow would want anything other than T. Higgins still being involved uh, in that offense. They can go find another third wide receiver, Tyler Boyd. Okay, yeah. and Mixon could be out of this mix before it's right. all said and done. Yeah, yeah. Jesse Bates for them. They have uh, going to Jacksonville. I don't. I don't see I any they're... way Bates comes back. No, they've uh, got the Dolphins with Josh uh, Jacobs, our guy Odell to the Patriots. Odell is not going to the Patriots to throw catch passes for Mac Jones. And I don't even know what Odell brings to the table I, I, anymore. Yeah, I don't. Clearly, he's not a hundred percent still. Well, and Carr, they, Carr's not on this list, and he will be. He's going to be a free agent once he's bought out. So he'll How land does somewhere. Ron Payne end up a squealer. I, that can't happen. No, you, you can't live in a world for that. I mean, you're you have to. It's a very complicated offseason for Andrew Barry because he has to be ultra aggressive in two specific markets at defensive tackle and receiver. He knows he needs immediate upgrades for this team to be one that can go win the AFC North and contend with Cincinnati and Buffalo and Kansas City. The Chargers are coming. The Jaguars are coming. And you can't satisfy this in the second round. This is a win-now roster. We talked to Jacob about that yesterday when we were out at UH. Like, there is a sense of urgency. Yeah. It's right. It's time to go. For everyone. Yeah. Top to bottom. Uh, Tampa Bay, Jimmy G. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense for, for him there if they if they want to run it back. And, like, that's what I was talking about with Luke when we had Luke Easterling on who covers the Bucks. Like, I think a lot of it is if you're the Bucks, you just look at that division and you say someone's got to win it. It might as well be us. And you can win with an average quarterback. Well, and the other thing is, is you so you you say we can win the division. Why not us? You could say you win the NFC. Why not us? Like there, other than the Eagles, there's nobody in the NFC that you look at and go, well, they got it all figured out. And the Eagles are going to be an entirely different team next year. James Bradbury's number one on this list. They got it. They're going to their defense is going to look entirely different. There are no juggernauts in the NFC. No. So and there's no one set for long term success. Not one. Like you would say the 49ers Eagles if Trey Niners. Lance was a dude. Yeah. But we don't know if Trey Lance is we don't. me. No. no. We're right. We have <laughs> no idea. Less a dude. He's taken so few snaps through the years. Um, but those are the teams that are best situated. But you think of the the draft picks in the NFC at quarterback, many of them have fallen flat. The fact that you know that we don't know what Kyler is this far into it, like that's a team that you would have thought would have been on the ascent. Who knows now? So, yeah, the yeah, NFC is They can't even get wild. a coach yet. No, they still haven't. It's yeah. absolutely wild. And this Lamar to Atlanta thing, I mean, unless that's via a trade. Well, it would be, right, because he's going to be – what would happen is is once he ref- – they'll franchise him. Okay, so my guess is it would go uh, – my hunch is it would go, let's get a deal done, can't get a deal done, franchise. If he doesn't sign the tag, then you're trade. Yeah, and the Falcons the have projected to have the second most cap space in the NFL this offseason. Yeah. So you could you could pay him. Yeah. I mean the that watch the NFC South because all of those teams feel like they're a quarterback away. They all have pieces that are intriguing. Um in the case of Carolina and certainly Atlanta, they have um ownership that is incentivized to win and get it going in a hurry. So the NFC South has a very interesting offseason ahead of it. I look forward to getting to the Combine and kind of hearing the buzz on what it what some of those teams' approach is going to be because it does feel like there's more quarterback need than there is players capable of giving you a real lift. 
I mean, where Easterling was mentioning, he mentioned Garoppolo, Bake, um, Carr, and Jacoby. So, like, those aren't Super Bowl guys. No, right? that type of guys aren't there. They could. So you could win the right. South. Two or three some of them. them. You, yeah. yeah, not all. No. Um, all right, we'll hit the mailbag coming up next. Still time to get your questions in. Browns underscore daily uh, on Twitter to get those in. Hashtag ask CBD. Uh, we will do that coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Bally Bet coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Bally Bet coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And be part of one of the most passionate fan base in the NFL. Join the Brown season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance of securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. Time for a little mailbag fun prevented by Vivid Seats, official fan experience partner of the Cleveland Browns. Tweet us your questions now at Browns underscore daily and use the hashtag AskCBD. Hello, Gibbe. Hi, Bo. How are you? I'm not bad. Did you see um, – uh, a lot going on on the in the college football side of things. So, Oklahoma and Texas are negotiating to get out of the Big Twelve a year early. So both of those schools are going to the Southeastern Conference, scheduled to go there in 2025. The SEC would like them in 2024. The Big Twelve would like them out. The Big Twelve wants them out. Like they would like to be rid of them. The last thing they want is to hand Big Twelve championship trophies to teams that are leaving. So they want them out. The two schools want to get out. And you say to yourself, well, what's the hangup? Well, the hangup is the true boss of college football, television. ESPN and Fox own the shared rights to the Big 12, and they can't come up with the right terms to be able to get an equitable exit uh, for both Texas and Oklahoma because once Texas and Oklahoma leave the Big 12, they will cease to ever be on Fox. They will be an ESPN property entirely because that contract switches over to ESPN in 2024. ESPN will own all of the Southeastern Conference by 2024. Well... Double hit. I think. Yep, I did. Um, isn't 2024 when USC and UCLA join? So they do. I'm assuming they want to go in the same. The SEC wants their new schools the same time the Big Ten. It coincides getting. with the new television deals too. Yeah. So at that in 2024, like forever. I mean, for 20 some years, the CBS 3:30 game has been the SEC. In 2024, that 3:30 game will be a Big Ten game. So. It will go the Big Ten. That's weird. It is. The Big Ten will have to service the noon window on Fox with Big Noon. The Big Ten will have to service the 330 window on CBS. And they'll have to see, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Ian Eagle's son and Todd Blackledge. Yes, I saw Blackledge's goodbye They are the primetime game on NBC, which is a Big Ten game. So NBC will have Notre Dame football and Big Ten football will be their operation. CBS's college football will now be entirely – Big Ten, which I don't which know if is I like. Tough, yeah, it's tough. And then because not everybody's Ohio State, Michigan. Now it'll help when USC comes in. That'll be good inventory. Yeah, that could You'll be your three thirty game. I don't know how they're going to draft it. Like who gets first pick? I think my hunch is Fox will. So they'll always take the Ohio State, Michigan game first. So if you're if you're CBS, like the next game you want is the first time USC goes to Ohio State and the first time Ohio State goes to USC. 
Same thing would be true of Michigan, first time for both. Penn State, first time for both. And then how do they balance the schedule? Do they put USC in a separate conference? Remember, they're making a television show, so my hunch is that you'd want to make sure USC plays Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State all the time. Yeah. Would be my guess. Like You don't want it to be where USC only plays Michigan and Ohio State once every four years. How are they going to align these? Nobody I mean, because Penn State's going to have to go to the East. They're already in the East. But, I mean, right now, the so right now, you would add, if you do it geographically, you would add USC and UCLA to the West, and you would probably take Indiana. Well, Indiana's already in the East. You'd put Purdue and probably Illinois or Northwestern would go to the East. But the last thing Ohio State wants to do is play more games against people like Purdue and Illinois. They already do plenty of that, having to play Rutgers and Maryland and Indiana. Correct. So, they you got to get as many – television shows as possible you need usc ohio state usc michigan usc penn state you need that a lot i have that on my list for you and uh mr tyvis powell yeah, we'll who will that. check in with you on monday and join former us former intern most famously known to be my former intern not he was a MVP. former intern for you that's right that's right not necessarily uh the mvp of the uh national championship game not that more so as my former intern <laughs> Of course, <laughs> but I figure we would talk a little recruiting at the at oh that, yeah uh, at that He'll point like too, that. because the the whole breakdown is fascinating, uh, and some of the Ohio State NIL comments. There's a lot going on on that front. Yeah, I figure we'll, we'll save that for Monday. Yeah, that'll be a nice Monday conversation. So uh, you can tweet at the show at Browns underscore Daily using the hashtag AskCBD. At Menudo Man, our favorite uh, tweeter outside of Bobby. Hey, Bobby! What's your take on the Buddy Garrity-Tim Riggins relationship? Beginning of series, Buddy is anti-Riggins. Later in the series, he's a character witness for Riggins. Uh, it's a beautiful growth of character. Um, in the end, Buddy Garrity sees himself in Tim Riggins. So, Rigg- And then also, like he catches Riggins with his daughter. So that's going to send you in the wrong direction. Tim's a partier, ha- likes to have a likes to have a beer from time to time. Uh, Tim Riggins apparently was a three year senior for the Dillon Panthers. Like he was a senior every year. It's just strange. Um, but yeah, he sees himself. He sees himself in Tim Riggins, and so that's. By the way, that was Tim Riggins going to jail for his brother's absurdly stupid decisions. There's some loose storytelling in the end of Friday Night Lights, but it still holds up wonderfully. Like if you honestly. I think my wife's, um, my sister-in-law and her husband recently started watching it, unbeknownst to Amy and I, and they were like, oh, you and Bo got to watch Friday Night Lights. And Amy goes, that's why his name's Buddy Garrity. And they're like, oh, <laughs> I got it. And I'm like, yeah, it's great. It holds up. I watched it. On How the, old is that show? Uh, probably 15 years hey, old. you got to watch it. It's yeah, unbelievable. We've already it's, been there. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I watched it actually on the treadmill during the pandemic. I would get on the treadmill in the morning and I'd watch an episode every day. Um, And I could not believe how well it held up. Awesome. Uh, Isaac Moore tweets at the show. Do you think, uh, do you guys think that if Vegas is willing to part with Hunter Renfro, he would be a viable option for the Browns? He has the Watson connection was a stud last season. Yeah, but he, for sure. I don't know what Vegas is doing. Nobody knows. Um, I think he would probably, if they, like, for example, if they went for Rodgers, if they get Rodgers, then he would want Renfro. He would want Waller. He has that. They would have Adams. So I think he would want all those people. Renfro would be great, but I also think it doesn't it doesn't solve the, burn, the burner situation. I mean, he's a slot guy. 
Um, so you could that'd be helpful here. We don't have that. You know, you want David Bell to be that, but what they need is somebody who can get deep and catch the ball. That's it. That's just a, that's an important <laughs> component. Yeah. Just just throwing that part out there. Uh, Browns therapy. Why does Gibby avoid the bromance? We could have and not follow me. Eh. You don't, don't love BT. I you don't, don't follow BT. I feel like I do. I feel I. I think Browns daily follows him. I think he wants you personally. He wants BGSU Gibbs to follow him. You're here. I'm going to need you here. He's an all-timer, man. Brown he Therapy's is. an all-timer. No, an original he's guy. One of, he's one of the best, he's best, one of our people, best people from day yeah. one. I yeah. understand. I'm just selective. Yeah. He's selfless, too. He's very selfless, BT is. Yes. Uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, this is an interesting one from Ethan Adams. Can we just trade up and draft uh, Jackson Smith? In Jigba. No. No. Don't have the capital for it, man. No. No. Well, the other thing is, is like, this is a pretty, um, I I think it's very, um, like this receiving class, there aren't, it's not as deep as previous years. Like Jackson didn't even play for Ohio State. I mean, he did like twice. He came back from injury in the Iowa game. He got hurt right away in the Notre Dame game. So like, Yeah. Brandon Moore, white face masks to stay or no? I prefer the white ones. Well, I think if you looked at, um, if you listened closely to what uh, what JW had to say, um, it felt like he kind of acknowledged that there was a process heading towards going back to yeah, the white. It face can't masks. happen right away. It's so the NFL folks has these crazy rules about it has rules. to take like if you change a logo, if you change uh, a jersey, like on a uniform redesign, you have to wait five years to redesign a uniform. So, for example, like the commies, like they're stuck in that. Even with a new owner, they're stuck in that for four more seasons before they could change out of it. So I didn't know the same was true with a logo, and I'm guessing because the logo has the brown face mask, they would want to make sure that they could get it to the white so that that would coincide. Sure. So I don't know if you have to give a five-year warning or whatever, but they've had this logo for a long time. It remained unchanged in the uniform change. So you would think you'd be able to move off of it and go to a white. Um but you're right. The white looked great. I like the gray a lot, too. I think both of them are really, really clean. Yep. So we'll see. They Absolutely. know. They know. Yeah. They see it. Yeah, 100%. Bobby time. Uh, you've discovered a beautiful island upon which you may build your own society, and you can even make the rules. What's going to be the first rule you'll put in place? No social media. Nap time. There's <laughs> a nap so at a it's certain a nap time. Sati- it's nap a siesta. Society. It's an afternoon siesta. I do like the. I do like the. Uh, yeah, there is something that's nice with like the afternoon break. I like it. I'm into that. Yeah, there's no, it's not. It's not my good, not good, my world right now. But well, it, it would no. be nice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Browns backers from North Jersey, by the way, slid this one in. I totally missed it. Two or three favorite thirty for thirty documentaries, and there are some good ones. Um. The best one, I think, is Two Escobars. It's unbelievable. Uh, Once Brothers is great. Is that the Petrovich one? Yep. Yeah. The Petrovich Kukoc one is amazing. Um, You know, the one that I watched that I just think is fun is Pony Excess, and it's about just the corruption at SMU because it's great to hear, like, these Texas guys talk about how they're – like, Texas A&M gave Eric Dickerson a gold Trans Am for him to sign at Texas A&M, which now, of course, would all be legal. And Dickerson took the Trans Am and then on National Signing Day switched to SMU. Like, and what were they going to do? Hey, you give us our money back. Give us our car back. No. 
Pony right. Excess is we'll really just... fun. It's a funny one. I love all the corrupt college football ones. The best that never was, the the U, um, all of those are really good. But that one's the best, I think. Uh, what music would you choose to play every time you walk into a room? Back to Bobby, by the way. Is that like your walk-up music? <laughs> Jeez, Bobby. Do you have one for that? Uh, I, I'm thinking. I feel like we've had one of those before. I don't really have a... I don't know. It changes so much. I mean, it depends on like the mood of it all. Yeah. Are you trying to set a tone? Or I love a little Toby Keith. I love this bar when I walk in. <laughs> like I would I'd do that. I... I, I, I I'm a huge Dave Matthews fan. Ants Marching is great, but it's not a walk-up song. No, it's great though. Yeah, I don't. I guess I don't have one that uh, comes to mind where I think of that I would want to walk like into every room I walk into. Yeah. <laughs> if bald people work in a restaurant, do they still need to wear a hairnet? I believe they do. Actually, they shouldn't. They shouldn't, but I believe they have to. Yeah. Does anyone is anyone wearing hairnets now? Like you go in a restaurant, you see the guys back there. They're not I all hair down up, are they? No, but at some places, yes. I believe that still happens. Yeah. Uh, the most interesting place you've ever been to? Bora Bora. Hmm. Okay. Oh. Congratulations on all your successes. Thank you. Uh, the funniest, craziest thing you've ever done? Not suitable for air. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Favorite superhero? I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man guy. I was a Batman guy the whole time growing up, but it's interesting. I was almost completely unaware of Iron Man, and it feels like he's basically Batman, except he has a lot more fun. And I don't know if that's just the portrayal of Hollywood. Batman's always got all this angst. It's always dark and gritty and and angry, like lost parents, everything sucks. It's like, well, Iron Man feels like he's got the same advantages, except he gets to kind of live. He had some down bit. moments, but life's looking pretty Life good. Life seems days. okay. Like he's, you know, both have the infinite money. Both are just dudes. Like I wouldn't want to deal with like real superpowers. It no. feels like that'd be heavy. So yeah, seems yeah. like Thor does okay for himself too. That's all right. That's Bootsy's one. He loves Thor. All right, that's yeah. uh, today's mailbag. We'll get to a few more of these on Monday. We'll put Powell through the ringer. There you go. Um, all right, so much more to come. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Well, next week, our attention will shift to the Super Bowl. Tyvis Powell will be in here with me on Monday, my former intern, former Buckeye great, of course. Um, and our attention will shift to the Super Bowl, the matchup between Kansas City and Philly. Philly will be in the green uniforms and the green over white, I believe. And the uh, the Chiefs will be in white over red will be the look. And the white, the team in white has won 15 of the last 18, Gibbe. Take note. Take note, kids. Have a great weekend, everybody. The next level is coming up next. Thanks for listening. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland.